Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So I'm going to just jump right into it, Mom. Go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming, though. Finally, you see this? I love it. Good. You did a great job with your studio. Oh, my God, you did. Andrew Anthony, the whole Young Wild Dream team, I appreciate you guys for getting this done. You've been the hyped person we have all been waiting for and talking about for the last three months. Well, without me, it won't be no you. This is definitely true. Dad, no. Dad. But he can't carry you. He helped. He helped. A was... little bit. A little worm. Okay. All right. We'll give Dad some credit here. But I do want to get into you and your, your life and what you have done up until this point and what you have accomplished because I think throughout my life I've had to go back and look at my own things the same way you have. When you wrote your book, and I'll get into that a little bit more, you started explaining all the things that you went through. But at the time, nobody really knew what your life entailed and what was in it. I didn't even know most of the stuff until your book, and then we started talking more, and recently we talked a lot. And now we've gone into detail about your life, and I think I understand you more now than I did in the past. So I want you to just start from when you came from Trinidad and came to the United States. Well, as you know, because I'm your no, mother, <laughs> I was adopted by my great aunt and uncle because my mother and my, my biological father split up. So it was a, a transition at the age of three to live with someone that wasn't my biological parents, but they were the best parents I ever had. And born in Trinidad, West Indies, we looked to America as the grand place of opportunity and, and a place that you can make it and make it for your family. And that's what my parents did in coming to America. When I came here, it was now an assimilation because I didn't speak the same way as the other children at the age of eight. You know how kids can be and they taunt you and you, you have to defend yourself a little bit. There were times I got into scuffles in the classroom because, because somebody attacked me. No, <laughs> no, now more truth comes out. Nope. Who did you fight? No, one day. Who did you fight? <laughs> you have to defend yourself. Because okay. when people come attacking you, mm -hmm. you cannot lay low and let them continue. You have to defend yourself. So I was very silent and quiet in the classroom when the teacher is there. So we had a substitute teacher this particular day. And I didn't know this girl, Cookie, had a thing against me. Cookie. So, <laughs> she, no, she was a fat, she was a fair-skinned girl, skinny. And all of a sudden, Cookie comes to attack me in the classroom. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business. So I took it, I took it, and then after a while, I was like, I'm in my mind, enough is enough. And I jacked her up against the wall and I had her locked with my, my hands, her neck locked against the wall. Okay. Cookie never messed with me again. <laughs> I no, tell you that, no, no, no one else. No, I know where I get it from. <laughs> but but this, is, is this something that you learn in life? Mm -hmm. That no matter, I served in the military for 20 years. There are a lot of things that I took in the military being a woman in an aviation uh, field, which had just opened to women in the late, in late 70s when, when I joined. Men didn't want women in their Navy. So they did things to make it very, uncomfortable to be a woman in a man's world. Same with politics. There are men that don't want women around or don't see women as a valued asset in politics. So they do things behind the scenes to really work at your nerves. So you have to learn how to guide yourself, to guard yourself in your responses because everything cannot be uh, an aggressive um, response. However, when you've had enough, you've had enough. And they have to know that you're not going to take any crap anymore. So you just take them out. And in doing so, they don't mess with you anymore. This is funny, because I've never heard this. 
know her to be a violent in school. <laughs> well, she get mad at me because I was uh, in no, school. No, no, I was no, defending no. myself. You, yeah, just defend yourself. That's fine. <laughs> but on the field, that's fine. But let me tell you something. In that, no one messes with you after that. Once yeah. they know that you will, you will stand up for yourself, if you continue to let people bully you, mm -hmm. they will continue doing so until it reach, reaches critical mass. Mm -hmm. But you have to know how to handle yourself because in this, particularly in this climate that we're in, Everyone is arguing with each other. We see it on Twitter. We see it on Facebook. People lose friends, and they even lose a relationship with their family for no reason, mm -hmm. because we can agree to disagree, but there are some people who are just outright evil, yeah. and they just want to take you out. And so, therefore, you have to defend yourself and let them know you're not going to take that stuff anymore. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to tell Dad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to tell Dad. Just like your... Just like your report card. No? Hey, I got all A's. <laughs> as far as you know, I got all A's. Because <laughs> they wrote it out. She's a That's good student. She's a good student. She's a. the best I ever had. <laughs> That's funny. So now... But you know, let me tell you something. Your grandfather always said, don't start a fight. But if someone picks a fight with you, finish it. This is it. Yeah, grandpa does look like that. He always wanted to fight. He always wanted, he wanted to fight me for no reason. <laughs> he wanted to fight you. He wanted to straighten you out. He wanted to straighten you out. Grandma too. Grandma always wanted to fight me. Yeah, they want to make sure. No, they want to fight you. They want to make no, sure that you're following they the rules and that you're doing the right things. And if you didn't, you get your butt whooped. All the time. <laughs> well, that's oh, every week. They should double what you were told. <laughs> I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do it the way you guys wanted. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I learn something new about you all the time. That's what life is. This is true, but you keep it away from us. I'm telling Nikki Nico, and I'm telling Nolan. He'll know his grandma you That's funny. All that, those things that you went through early on in life, and then going into the military, did that help you and that shape you for what you had to face? I believe what shaped me was how my parents raised me and the values that they instilled in me. The military was an asset because it also brought about the discipline that I already had at home. So it just reinforced that discipline. But it also taught me leadership and managerial skills and also a world that I didn't know before. I knew the environment because my parents were very strict. I, it was no going out, hanging out in the mall hey, or anything that like that. So similar to well, mine. look how you turned out. You're fantastic. Okay, good. So therefore, good. all those <laughs> teachings and lessons from before worked out to your benefit. Look at they that. Did. It's did. amazing how the world turns they around, They did because right? I'm quarantined <laughs> still to this day. But you're doing great things with your quarantine. You're not just wasting time you set up your podcast you set up this great studio it's, it's first grade you know I, I love it you you also spent time with your son and you're teaching him the values of what you were taught you're also doing stem education with him while he's home during the summer something that's passionate to your heart with your foundation or what you're giving back to underprivileged kids in in a, a value education that they may never learn at home but it helps them to get an advancement in their education levels. So the things that you were taught before are just things that's being reinforced now, mm -hmm. and then you're passing it on, which is what we should do in life. Because just because you were taught something doesn't mean you keep it within yourself. Mm -hmm. the, the lessons that you learn is about passing it on to someone else, as your mission statement on your foundation website says, mm -hmm. that you want to have a child have a, a, a more improved life tomorrow than they had today. So that's what we're all about. But all those lessons that I learned 
from my parents. It helped me to catapult my career in the military and also deal with racism, sexual harassment, the undercutting of the, the male-dominated environment, but it built me to be stronger. And the reason that I was able to have that strength, not only the support from my family, but my support from God. Mm -hmm. And without God in your life and having that as a foundation, you will certainly fall and break apart because everything will be a, a chaos and you cannot live your life in chaos consistently and expect to have great results. That's true. Now, there, was there any point in time where you felt isolated, like by yourself? Because I know just for me in football, there were many times where I felt like that because not everybody knew what I was going through. Not everybody knew the day-to-day -day stuff, the day-to-day -day grind that you had to go through mentally, not just physically, to show up every day as yourself mm -hmm. and only yourself in light of everything that you had to deal with. Racism, you said sexism, people just putting you down just because of who you were. How did you get through that? Why were you able to get through that? Like what, based on what grandma and grandpa taught you, how were you able to get through that? I had a, a, petty, a chief petty officer tell me one time, take it one day at a time, mm -hmm. that whatever your situation is, it's not permanent. Yeah. It will end. Mm -hmm. And my, 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 your father's, your, your Aunt Jean, mm -hmm. she always have great uh, statements to say. <laughs> she says, every rope has an end. And if you approach life that way, all the adversities that come your way, you will see that it has an end. So plan for that end. Don't think that the, the situation that you're in is a destination. Mm -hmm. It's just a journey. Mm -hmm. And in the journey, you learn how to grow. You learn your, about yourself, your strength. You learn about how much you can take and how much you would not want to take. And you also learn, is this the path that I should be going down? There are times that we're going down a path and it's not your path. You like what someone has. You like their nice car. You like their nice home. You like their wife. You like their husband. And you want whatever they have, but it's not yours. So you have to understand what, what is for you is for you and what's for someone else is for them. So you can't envy or should not envy someone else for the things that they have because first, you don't know the struggles that they've gone through. You don't know the blessings that they've had. And whatever your blessings are is gonna be for you. It's not gonna be for someone else. But in those struggles and those times, I would never let someone see that they're getting the best of me. And it used to be a commercial, never let them see you sweat. But when I went home, I would cry. I would let it out, but in front, I would smile. I, I, was, I was given a nickname, Smiley, in one of my commands. Because you're always smiling. I said, well, what's there to frown about? But when, when, when you get into those situations, if you allow your emotions to be exposed, the person who is toying with you know that they have control of you. So you don't let them know they have that control. So you have to maintain those things inward and, and formulate a strategy how you're going to combat that. Mm -hmm. So you go, I went home, I cried, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and I came back out with a smile. Some days it would be worse than the next day, but you have to continue going because we weren't born here to fail. Mm -hmm. We were born to succeed. But there's a, a, a tool book as to how it can be done. But many times people ignore the, the rules of the road and how they should utilize those tools to make sure they get to the level of what they were created to be. Because they either have not been taught or they have not listened to the lessons or they have, um, um, they're, they're insecure. Mm -hmm. 
because oftentimes we feel you were grown up in a home where you had the support of your mother and father and your family members. You were told all the time that we loved you. You were kissed and hugged all the time. You, were, you didn't really need anything. As far as we knew, we provided everything that we thought that you needed. Not every household have that. You have kids that are in broken families. You have kids that have parents that are very abusive, verbally and physically abusive. So we don't know the stage that people are coming from. And so if, if you engage with someone today and they're angry, you get angry. But that's your choice to get angry. You can say, this person's probably having a bad day. Let me give them a smile. And that one smile can change their entire outlook on life that particular day. And I don't know how many people, I can't tell you how many people have told me, just a smile, an engagement, a high, a wave, changed their persona for that day. And so let's not go to the negative when we see something that's happening negative. Let's try to turn that into a positive. It's very hard for people to do, particularly today with all the negatives that's out there with social media and everyone is bashing someone else, we are seeing very little leadership in that department. And we're seeing also too with kids having kids earlier, they haven't been taught how to be parents, how to be loving, how to be caring, how to be nurturing. So they're just reflecting the things they're seeing out in the public. So the reason that I believe that not everyone is like that is because they haven't been taught, they haven't been shown, or they don't have an example. They don't have a role model, which is unfortunate because that's what you're doing with your foundation is being that role model and giving back and showing that you are caring and showing that you are giving and showing that you're not selfish to hold the teachings and lessons that you've had in life to pass it on to someone else that may not be. Look at those kids that we took all the STEM stuff to yeah, last were, year. Yeah. They were so happy to they see were, you. They didn't I, really know me, but they, they were just excited. Well, they were loving the up on yeah. you, but you you cared enough to go to them. Oh, you cared good. enough to engage with them. Mm -hmm. You cared enough to give them STEM uh, modules that they can learn science, math, engineering, and, 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 and the, sci the technology that they did not have an opportunity before mm -hmm. because they had maybe a boring class that they had to sit in. Now they had something engaging that's, telling them, that's showing them engineering of, of building a structure and how you're going to make the structure stay upright or, or putting some other science project together and working out the calculations of the math. So those 120 students that you provided STEM modules to last, last school year. It was November, I think. You, you have changed their life because they, are they were underprivileged kids in low-income families that were struggling themselves in the classroom and now you have enlightened them of how education can be fun to learn. That was cool, just to see, you know, at first they didn't know what it was, they just see this football player come in, but then when they saw the, the stuff in the module and they, I was passing things out and asking questions, that's what I liked the most about it. And then once I started engaging with them and asking them what, what do they like about what was in the STEM modules, all of them loved the beach ball, they loved that. But for me it was, it was about the teacher, her relief. Once she saw it, like once I saw that, I started seeing the importance of really. I, I always knew it was important what I was doing, but to see it directly from somebody that has to supply it, the people that we've put the responsibility on. A lot of times, the teachers have to take care of the kids. Like they, there are certain things that the kids won't say at home that they're bringing into the classroom. So the teacher has to one be the teacher, the caregiver, the the psychiatrist, all in one. That's hard for them to do when they have 30 other kids in the classroom that they got to take care of. So every time we went to five, I think, five classrooms, mm -hmm. when we went to those five classrooms, each teacher, you just saw the sigh of relief, like, oh, thank goodness. 
somebody's hear my cry, somebody wants to help for the kids, not just for their their sake, but for also for, for us, the school, and for whoever the kids are that are in the classroom. So for me, I was just more happy that I was able to supply them with that and through your help too, thank you, to do that. But it let me realize in today's world, the influence is all over the place in different directions. It's not to the to the foundation of what you guys taught me, which was learning by yourself, finding things out. I hated school, I, and I don't need to say it, and I shouldn't say it, but you guys taught me that I can learn things outside of the classroom. I can learn, I can use my common sense. I can find and figure out what problems are in the world, find solutions to them. So I was always looking outside the classroom to find things. And we would, I would understand stuff in textbooks, I would get it, but at the end of the day I knew how can I apply this outside of here? And if I couldn't, I would find a way to apply whatever it is in my life that I needed to figure out out in the outside world. Or I'd ask you guys questions. You and Dad, most of the time you guys would have the answers or I'd go on the internet to find it. So the resources are there. In light of everything that's going on in the world now, everybody getting influenced on one side or the other, you have been on the foreground of everything. And for most people that don't know, I always say this, you're the most famous person in the family. Everybody says I am because I play in the NFL. I always, I'm serious, but I kid around. I say you're the most famous person in the family because you've made history. You've been a person that was, and I, you always correct me, an elected official. You're the first Lieutenant Governor Trinidadian in the state of Florida to be elected as Lieutenant Governor. That is big. And for me being around you, you never made it seem like it was big. And I remember there was only probably one or two days out of the whole time you were in office that I really saw how much power you had. But you never went around thinking, oh, I'm bigger than anybody else. You were humble enough to let every, to help everybody. And when I saw that, I was like, Mom, you don't understand the, the value that you bring to everybody. When, when you're going to different places, when you're smiling, when you have presidents addressing you more formally than themselves, that's when I said, all right, she, she doesn't realize the type of power she has, but you're helping and you still continue to help so many people. Now with what's going on now, you have set the, the blueprint as far as improving places, improving a, a community like you have our hometown. You've done so much there and the state of Florida, which people don't give you credit for. And with everything going on now in today's world, which is police brutality, the government, the left versus right, what do you think is the proper solution to go about change that's long-lasting instead of just immediate, instant gratification? Well, the problem that I'm seeing with our elected officials mm -hmm. is that they're not being statesmen. Mm -hmm. And when I got elected to office, I saw that as be something being sacred mm -hmm. because it was a public trust. Mm -hmm. I was first, I made history in the state of Florida by being the first Republican female, black female, to be elected to the state legislature. Mm -hmm. That was in 2003. I made history in Florida by being the first black female to be elected state, well, actually first black to be elected statewide. Got so many adjectives on Yes. <laughs> and also okay. to be the first female to be elected lieutenant governor in the state of Florida. But I didn't see that in itself as a destination. Mm -hmm. I saw it as an opportunity for me to break the barriers of government to help people. Mm -hmm. Because without knowing someone most likely people, the people that elected us to office will not get help. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always pride myself on with my office and the staff that worked for me 
anyone, I don't care if they were in my district or not, if they needed help, we were going to walk them through and get the help. It may not be the answer that they want, but it was going to be a result, a, a finality to the question that they had. And I have so many letters, stacks of letters of people thanking me for helping them through, getting them through the bureaucracy. And that was my reward for when I served in office. What I'm seeing more and more so are people getting elected to office that it's all about themselves. Public office should be a public trust to serve the public. So therefore, what the public needs to do is to make sure that the people they elect to office is operating in accordance with the respect that they should demand and the responsiveness to the people. So the people have an activity to play in this. Vote these folks out of office. If they haven't worked for you, I don't care what party they're in, I don't care how much you like them, I don't care if they're your next door neighbor, if they're not working for you, because this is a republic. And in a republic, the government is to work for the people. The people are the ones in control, in charge. Civics education have been taken out, much so out of our public school system. So our youngsters are not really learning true civics. And you're seeing now they want to rewrite history and change everything that we've known in the past. Whatever happened in the past is not going to change. Just like Jesus Christ walked this earth, it's not going to change. It happened. So it's in the books. Let us know what it is. But if the history doesn't feel good, if the history wasn't good, let us know it so that we can make a better future. And that's what we need to do. So we need adults in a room, from our elected officials to our people that are in the public. We need adults in a room. We need to show that we can communicate with each other we can come up with solutions and work across the table to make sure that whatever we're putting forward is going to help our city, our, our counties, our state, and our country at more, most foremost. Mm -hmm. Going back to your question asking me about coming to this country from Trinidad, the flag is a symbol of hope and prosperity for many people, not only in this country, but other nations. That's why we have so many people dying mm -hmm. to come to America. Mm -hmm. If America falls, where do we go? We have nowhere else to go. So let's take care of our own country. We have our faults just like any family have their faults. But we don't disband our family. We work within our family. We take care of things. So let's look at America as our family. And we have, we have issues. Let's take care of those issues. You mentioned police brutality. It's not all police officers. However, there may be a culture in police departments that have fostered that. And we need to encourage these police officers to turn in their own bad apples because those bad apples are making it bad for everyone. The chaotic situations that we're seeing, we cannot have chaos constantly in our communities. It's tearing up businesses. It's putting, pitting people against each other. And we're having more strife and anger that's in our community that doesn't need to be there. The world is looking at us as to how to be a, a civilized Western uh, culture. If we're not going to lead the way, someone else is going to take the mantle and try to assume that they're leading the way. But as you see, China and Russia, the big two, they're communists, they're socialists. We don't know what communism and socialism is. For 244 years, we've existed with our constitution the way it is, with our freedoms and liberties, and we have evolved into a great nation that could be greater, of course. Anything could be improved. However, no other country that have existed for thousands of years have achieved what we have achieved in such a short period of time. So let's not ruin it. That's true. I believe that too. And just 
Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I definitely do. I, I think there's too much finger pointing. And I think we all just need to own up to what's going on. We all need to find a solution to it without trying to pick a side. It's best we come together, like you said, but we can't look at the, the mountain and think, oh, we're going to conquer it. We've got to chip away block after block or rock after rock. And we have so many people now that are influencers that I don't think are doing enough in that aspect of educating the right way, the peaceful way, the correct way to, to understand the first step of the process. And that's what you said, your elected official. And going to them, if you don't like what they're doing, get them out. Don't go to the very top because the very top's not going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to start changing your own community. Bring about that, that mindset that, hey, we're working towards a better tomorrow for our, our children, our next generation. And I do believe that is, that's spot on. I don't have to go into any more of that. You've hit it dead on the head. I do want to get into a little bit about your, your book when you get there. When I read it the first time, I think it was 2014, and we started reading, besides the military stuff, it was about the family stuff. And mainly about when you were deployed, I started thinking about the stories of when you and dad would go away for four or five, six months at a time. We had to get raised by grandma and grandpa. How for you was that? Because I know playing football is the same way for me. When I left and played for the season, I was gone for four or five months. Even though you guys saw me on the weekends, it wasn't the same because it would be, you'd come in on Friday, you'd see me Friday, Saturday half the day, Sunday, half the day, and if we won, I would be in an okay mood. If we lost, I was, oh I was, oh yeah, I was bad. <laughs> but it, it took a lot of time away from the family, and me just being out and retired now, seeing how much time was away, how were you able to deal with it? For, because for me, it was tough. I, I, I would always try and get my mind to snap out of it and say I have to be connected with the family, but at the same time, I'm looking at the mistakes that I, was, I made and how I wanted to improve myself for the next weeks because I knew I was going to get something again and again every single week from an opponent. But you, it was much more different. Yours was life and death. Mine was just entertainment. So for you, what was the mindset leaving the family and going away for who knows how long? And there wasn't FaceTime. There wasn't any of the stuff, the technology we have now. It's letters. You would call us maybe once a month. We would probably get it when you were on the ship. So how was that for you when you had to leave the family and, and leave us in a sense, knowing that I'm gonna be gone for a while, I'm gonna be disconnected with them, I'm, I'm missing so much in their lives. How was that for you? It was very hard because my first deployment was a six month deployment. You were two years old, Nikki was recently born. And so missing six months out of her life and not seeing her walk, mm -hmm was very hard. I cried a lot. <laughs> Calling home, as you mentioned, there was no FaceTime and, and no internet as we know it today. When I was overseas, it was about 600 bucks <laughs> or $300 for the phone call. <laughs> so, even though I'll get on the phone not wanting to get off because I'm listening to your voice, and then your father would make uh, video recording tapes and the v VHS tapes, what which nobody knows anymore. Yeah, you mail it to me. I didn't know that. It took a long time to get there. I would send care packages back home for you guys. It would take a long time. Yeah, Sometimes it will come when, I, when I'm getting <laughs> yeah. back home. But that, the ease of my absence when I came back home would have little toys and little trinkets to give you guys. But missing out the growth of your, your young children is, is very difficult, and you're never able to bring that back. You may be able to bring back 
you know, set up a party, but you're not going to set up the time that you missed. The one time that really tugged at my heart was when you were in um, preschool, and your sister was there. Your sister was so funny. You were in preschool at two years old. Each one of you went to school, started school at two years old. So when your sister turned two, now she's in preschool, and the preschool was a Montessori school. Mm -hmm. So you had your sections of the, the age group that you were in. Yeah. When your sister started school, she had her own mind because she told Mrs. Woods, the, the director of the school, that she was not going with her students. She's sitting with her brother. So uh, she, sounds <laughs> like Nikki. So it here you are like with, with a two-year-old kid Got next an to you. He said the greatest example was someone is to follow in your lead, right? It says imitation is the greatest greatest form of flattery. So she was following in your lead. So therefore, you must have been a good brother somewhere along the line if she I, wanted to stick next to you. I don't know. <laughs> but in time, she did go about her yes, merry way. But I had to go on deployment during the time that she started preschool. And uh, called home one day, and she had learned the Pledge of Allegiance. And hearing her over the phone recite her Pledge of Allegiance at two years old. You're smart. Oh my gosh, Make my heart just melted. I started to cry like a baby, <laughs> and I'm missing my kids. But I had a wonderful husband, very supportive. He was the greatest example that you, he is the greatest example you have as a father. And he was very supportive of me in my career, although he wasn't serving in the Air Force at the time. He was still supportive of my career and, and the paths that it was taking me. And he is a fa all about family. So he took care of you guys in the best way that he can with the help of your grandparents as well. But as, uh, as time goes on and, and people see those separations that they go through, I mean, you did that when you were in, in college, you, when you were in professional uh, ball, playing professional sports. We did our part to try to help you, help you see your son, help you give you moral support. We knew that there were times that it was very difficult when you were going through college and having that idiot coach that you had and the defensive coach, I mean, midget. offensive coach. A little midget. And now, well, but you see, those adversities build you mm -hmm. and made you stronger because you went through a time period there where we were supporting you, but we thought that you ought to stay where you were but you were going through a mental anguish with this jerk that was toying with you because he was playing politics in, in the locker room. And you handled that masterfully. You didn't come and tell us the problems that you're going through with him, but we relinquished when we saw that you were adamant about changing your position and moving out of that situation. You were mature enough to see that you needed to remove yourself from there because you were not going to get an advancement from this guy because he already had it in the bag that he didn't like you and he was not giving you any any opportunity to play mm -hmm. and when you moved over to the other side you were able to showcase your skills war and you were off to the running from yeah, then and you true. told him yours did, right so that was the end of that i saw moved him. on i saw <laughs> him i told you when i saw yeah, him a so few months ago uh -huh. he looked defeated well he looked super defeated. and rightfully so when you have evil in you and you and you treat people that way you will be defeated somewhere along the line yeah he did i i was actually i was i was kind of happy <laughs> i'm not gonna lie well revenge <laughs> It's a dish sweetly served. It is. It is with patience. It is. Yes. I always joke around and say the Drake approach because Drake does everything the behind the scenes. He does it meticulous. He, he's not. He's not spiteful with it. He just does it because he knows 
I put in the work and now you guys are going to see the end product. Mm -hmm. So I'd take a book from that. Well, you know, as you say that, excellence cannot be denied. That's true. Once you showcase yourself and people see that you have a skill set and an ability, you'll be paid for it, mm -hmm. you'll be respected for it, and you'll also be envied for it. That is true. <laughs> you have, you have definitely. You know, for, um, you mentioned the games that you guys came to. I remember when I wanted to sign to go to Colorado and you were like, no, I'm not going there. I mainly wanted to go because it was dad's uncle, dad's brother. Yeah, because, but I didn't want you to go because you had all them chicks that was trying to get you to come over there. That's why you want to go for the chicks. No, get your brother, I told, your uncle. okay. <laughs> they said, they took me to a couple parties. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, but this is at a this young age. But I'm not, I'm not thinking, oh, this is how it's going to oh, yeah, be all right. the time. I probably, yeah. But I knew, I, I looked at, I was just looking at situations, but you, bottom line was you didn't want me that far away from home with somebody you didn't really know, even though mm -hmm. it was dead. I understood that now, but going through, I was pissed. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I signed in Maryland, the one thing you told me was, we're going to try and come to as many games as we can. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys did that. I, you probably missed two. Two, without the exception of when I broke my leg my mm -hmm. senior. I don't count that, but mm -hmm. you did. It was West Virginia. And Clemson, was, Boston. Well, you came, you, well, you didn't go to West Virginia, but you went to everything else. Mm -hmm. You went to Clemson, you drove to Death Valley, you drove in North Carolina, you drove to South Carolina, you drove to Georgia, you drove to Tennessee, shoot, you came all the way to San Francisco, mm -hmm. Boston, like you said, you were everywhere. North Carolina, Georgia. Yeah, you guys probably mm -hmm. know North Carolina like the back <laughs> of your hand. You put so many miles on that Suburban. Yeah. By the time you gave it to me, it was already at 320, 320,000. <laughs> I was like, well, they definitely got, got a lot of worth. But that devotion that you guys showed me let me know that it was possible to have a, a lot of people care for me and stick to their promises. And that's what I've always been about is, is when I make a promise, I want to keep it. And you guys went above and beyond. And I know it took a lot of time out of Nikki and Nico's life to come and support me. But seeing it now, I'm appreciative of it because they didn't do it and be spiteful of it. They, did, they weren't hateful of it. They enjoyed it too. And I tried as much as I could to make it as fun as I could, even though I was discouraged sometimes whether I messed up on the play. Oh boy, if you had a bad game, oh gee whiz, we all had a bad day. Yeah. And we had we cooked for you, we tried to cheer you up, but well, that was a bad play. I said, let it go, let it roll. It was, it was hard, it was yeah. hard to do, because I was so hard on myself. Yes. And, and I always saw from you good. because I would always see you do one thing and then go to the next, and then go to the next, and then go to the next. It was never a time to really sit back and appreciate. I guess it was always your work ethic, you're, you're always moving, and you still do it now. You still, you were cleaning the house before you came in here, and you gotta get on the road. Like, you don't have to do any of those things, but you still did it, and it was always, I, I felt like that was the way to do it. You don't have time to, to sit back and gloat. So I thought, so I just think, once you do one thing, you just go to the next. Once you finish that, you go to the next. And that's how my career kind of was. I was always just thinking about what's the next thing instead of being appreciative of what's around me now. And that was you guys being there, even when it was a win or a loss. But I know it was times where it was hard, and I don't know. I never asked you that mentally. How was it to be in the stands and see me play from high school to basically the NFL? Every game. Your father loved coming to the games, mm -hmm. but he was a nervous wreck in every game. It was, like, it was as if he had butterflies in his stomach every game because we wanted, we wanted to be all joyous, but then we also reluctant because 
is he going to get injured or what's going to happen? So we were happy when it was, whenever you, you finish and you came out healthy, we're good. <laughs> then we could go back and look at the film and say, okay, we can enjoy the game because we were all about you. We didn't care about the other players on the field. We were all about you. Is Nolan doing well? Is Nolan studying? Uh, is he studying his opponent? Did Nolan mess up? Oh, Nolan, get up and stop, stop beating yourself up. Get up again. So we're commentating in the, in the stands. I know you are. Know <laughs> and I'm yelling at you. I know. I can't hear you up there. I know. That's why I put you guys in the corner. <laughs> some relief that we're, at least they're trying to do something and so it was it was nerve-wracking because we we cared so much about you and wanted you to have so much great successes and wanted you to have the confidence in yourself that you can do it mm -hmm. that it, it kind of took the enjoyment of watching you so that's why we recorded it so we can go back and oh, watch okay. it when we came oh, back okay. home okay. <laughs> so we can like, really see it I was always wondering like why were they recorded for me to watch it <laughs> no, I, no, I watched it all the time <laughs> I watched it 10 times right after the game so I'd always wonder why would you get the TV copy and but now I know why yes and I always I don't know I, I would never try and and put the losses or what I did wrong in a game on you guys I never wanted it to spill over it's mm -hmm. just it was my life from basically Sunday to Friday before mm -hmm. you guys came in and it was hard to turn that mm -hmm. turn that off how were you able to do that because you would deal with all that crap mm -hmm. in the house in the Senate in the Capitol mm -hmm. wherever you went how were you able to turn it off and come home and just be mom because that's what we viewed you as we never viewed you as the congresswoman congresswoman Jennifer Carroll we always uh, viewed you as lieutenant Jen governor excuse me <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll, but at the time when you first got elected, we never viewed you as a politician. Right. And even when I say it, I'm, I feel weird saying it because it's, <laughs> no, it's Jennifer Carroll. Even when, shoot, people, my financial advisor, Lieutenant Governor, it was nice to talk to you. <laughs> it's Jace, Jennifer, <laughs> no, and the president, he's Lieutenant Governor. You're the president. <laughs> Why? Anyway, it's fine, if, but that's the respect you command, but you never view it as, you need to address me that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did when you came home. You just wanted us to address you as mom. Mm -hmm. So how were you able to flip the switch? Well, the one thing I never wanted to do is bring my work issue home. Mm -hmm. Because home, particularly with your father, that was our solitude. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want your father to, um, to have the, feel the pressures and pain that I had. Mm -hmm. Because at home, it should be a place where you are joyful, where you're loving, where you can just get away from everything. And for you kids, I don't want you to know the things that I was experiencing either because all it's going to do is upset you, upset you with your career or upset you at school. So it makes no sense for me to then turn all of my pain and anguish over to you when it's my pain. So I was able to deal with it by praying. I was able to deal with it by trying to assess what I'm going through and how I'm going to handle it and internalize. And that's what I did a lot was internalize my, my pain and, and the issues, the adversities that I was going through. At times it wasn't the best for me that I should have because your father said, I'm here for you. Let me, let me help you. But I didn't want to turn those things over to him because he has his own issues that he was going through at work as well. It wasn't as bad as mine. But in retrospect, 
I'm glad I did it that way because you would have been probably turned out more angry, you know, going to school and beating up somebody or taking your, your anger out on the world because somebody hurt your mother because you're very protective and guarded of me. And so I didn't want my, my sons and my family and my husband to be in that mode all the time. And that's what I did is just internalize it and prayed. Well, you are a superwoman. <laughs> and you hit it for a long time, which is you've exemplified what it means to be a good human being. I oh, mean, you. when you look at it, there's so many... Everybody tries to attach themselves to athletes and rappers and entertainers and all this, but for me, I, I honestly, I can't even think about who I was really looking up to. I'd have to pick people just so I could save face and not say, <laughs> oh yeah, my parents. I'm like, your parents? But they don't realize what you guys have done and accomplished, so I definitely appreciate you and Dad and me and Nikki and, and Nico and even little Nolan appreciate what you've done for us and continue to do. and stuff we don't even see you do most of the time you do behind the scenes so I definitely appreciate that I thank you and thank you well, for coming before you on. closing out let me tell you something okay you asked me early on about my accomplishments mm -hmm. and I would see that my greatest accomplishments have been my children my three children you when you were born I thought I could not have another child because I loved you so much. I couldn't imagine myself having another child because you were it. And you've grown into a wonderful young man that's caring, that's evolving in with your own entrepreneurship, that you're giving back. With this podcast, the people that you will be interviewing will be giving lessons learned, that you'll be sharing things with people that's listening, that they can change things in their life for the better. With the kids that you're helping, that you're changing their lives for the better. With your brother and sister, I love that you guys have such a connection mm -hmm. as the three amigos. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that you continue in that vein and don't let any discouragement take you off your path because God has guided you to this point and he's shown you the light. All you have to do is follow the light. So thank you so much for having me on as your very first guest. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Mom. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Love you. Love you too. Love you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.